Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. Uh, hi, before we start our episode, um, we have a correction because I don't know who Michelle Monaghan is, but she wasn't who we were talking about last week. <laughs> the woman in well, Serendipity. You, you said her right name. Fuck me. Bridget Monaghan. Yeah. No, her real name is Michelle Monaghan. And you. Who's the woman in serendipity michelle moynihan yeah we got that right okay we got the woman we got all of the stuff about her correct we just said there was another woman called bridget monahan and it's not it's michelle monahan okay uh before we begin our episode we have a slight correction we in last week talking about serendipity referred to a woman like the actress michelle moynihan who appears in serendipity we referred (laughs) I don't think I've talked about a Bridget. <laughs> you do it. Okay, Bridget Moynihan. <laughs> do all of this. This is the correction. In Serendipity, the actress is named Bridget Moynihan. Yes. We referred to another actress who I got confused with her as Bridget Monahan. That woman isn't, she doesn't exist. I mean, maybe she does, but she's probably like a tax accountant in Reno. The person we were talking about was Michelle Monahan. <laughs> Correct. I'm an idiot. I still get them confused. Yeah. But her name is Michelle, not Bridget. And I apologize to her to make it up to Michelle Moynihan, Monahan, whatever her name is. We will at one point watch the movie. Um, Made of Honor. Made of Honor. God, do we have to? All right. I mean, not anytime soon because I don't want to, but, but we have to make it up to her. It's because she's a devoted listener to this podcast. Okay. Moving on to what we watched this week. And this week, we watched Roxanne, which came out in 1987 and stars Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah, primarily. There's other people in there that we'll talk about. Um, okay. I've never seen since. Robert Duvall's daughter. Fred not Miller. Robert Duvall's daughter. What? Shelley Duvall and Robert Duvall, not No, not I Googled her and her father's name is Robert Duvall. Yes, her father's name is Robert Duvall. He was like a school teacher in Indiana. He's not Robert Duvall, the actor. Is this the rare case of like nepotism? Like she got nepotism that she didn't, that wasn't actually nepotism? I don't know. This would be like if people assumed we were Sarah Gilbert's sisters. Yeah. No, she's not related to Robert Duvall. Her father's name is Robert Duvall, but she's not. (laughs) She is related to Robert Duvall, just not that Robert Duvall. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Fred Willard. Yes. The actual Fred Willard. Yes. Uh, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, the father. I mean, you blink and you miss Damon Wayans Sr. Also, if you. It didn't has to be realize, like his first movie. Also, if you didn't realize that this movie was made in 1987, which would be hard because it has all the hallmarks of a movie made in 1987, you would think it was Damon Wayans Jr. Because yes, they look looks the like exact him. same. Yep. I literally, so he like flashes by. The premise of this movie is it's Cyrano yeah. de Bergerac. Um, and, uh, Steve Martin is Cyrano with a lovely nose piece on and he's, although his name is CD, wink, wink. Um, he's the chief of a volunteer of like a hapless volunteer fire department. And so, uh, Damon Wayans is one of the, uh, 
fire, like volunteer firemen. And they're all very hapless. And at one point, and so at one point he just like, he's like in the background of this group of like terrible firemen. And I had a moment where I was like, is that Damon Wayne senior? And sure as shit it is. Mm-hmm. At one point he tries to throw gasoline on a fire to put it out in a very funny moment. The whole running gag of this like fire department that like can't that are like it's like the keystone cops of firefighters is very funny. Like the gags that keep happening are delightful. Yes. And it's very like this movie, we should say, was written by Steve Martin and directed by Fred Shapisi. I think Shapisi. When I wrote down the if you look on who the writers are, it's like Steve Martin and Edmund Ronstand. And I was like, who's he? What's he written? Cyrano. <laughs> yeah he's written Cyrano and I'm an idiot um yes they're like Fred Willard is the mayor but also a volunteer fireman and Dan yes. Wayans is one of the volunteer firemen and the um Hawkeye who is the mouthpiece for Steve Martin and the Cyrano-esque-ness of it is one of the firemen there's one like he's like an out he like gets brought in to like train up this fire department he so hot guy who is Daryl Hannah's love interest by face, Chris. He gets brought in from some external fire department to train these guys to like know how to fight fires, which is kind of interesting. So like, you know, the whole thing is that Daryl Hannah is essentially a rocket scientist. She is super smart scientist and she's moved to this small town because of the views of some star thing it's not important it's not super relevant um and chris has moved to this town to train up the fire department they see each other they are physically attracted to each other but he is very intimidated by her he's kind of like a lovable fool and so he doesn't know how to talk to her so he convinces steve martin to talk for him and to write letters for him thus Cyrano and Steve but, Martin has met her and they've connected and and right, on and an intellectual are, level and they're he's, building a friendship and he's realizing that he's falling for her but he gets made fun of for his nose yes but one of the things that I like about that I've that I really liked about this movie is like okay so Chris is not he has nothing in common with Daryl Hannah or really with CD Charlie Steve Martin's character because he's not interested in literature or science or any of those kinds of things but we see throughout the movie that he is good at his job and he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about fighting fires and at the end after he's left we see the fire department like successfully put out a fire for the first time in the like history of this fire department and I and I think it's not explicit but I think like what the movie is saying is like just because this guy isn't interesting to Daryl Hannah and they don't have anything in common doesn't mean he's not like smart in what he is smart in and he ends up connecting with another woman who finds him very interesting because they do have things in common and I so I think there's a there's sort of like an underlying secondary you know I think the main message of this movie is like look beyond the surface level but then beyond lid that for every pot is like there's a lid for every pot and just because this guy and Daryl Hannah don't connect on an intellectual level doesn't mean that there's not somebody else out there for him. And there's not stuff out there that he is good at. It's just that he's not good at expressing himself in words in the way that Steve Martin is. Yeah. This movie is very nice to all of its characters. Like all of its mm-hmm. characters are, are good people. There's 
you know, you're sort of, you're like rooting for everyone. Like you, you want Chris, the lovable, handsome fool to end up with like the cute barmaid and they run off to Reno together because she can make more money there as a cocktail waitress and he can like deal cards. Like you want everyone to end up happy and there's no sort of like, other than like, there's like a few token characters who make fun of Steve Martin's nose and like you want them to get beat up, which they do. Um, or outwitted because Steve Martin's character is so smart. And there's like a, I think it's probably like the classic famous scene from this movie where he makes a guy makes fun of his nose and he's like, you, you have to be able to do better than that. And then he like has him shoot a dart and whatever number he lands on Steve Martin's going to think of that many insults about his nose and it lands on 20. So he just like rallies off 20 funnier, like more creative insults about his own nose and then punches the guy Mm -hmm. and everyone's cheering him on. It's very funny. And some of the, jokes made me laugh out loud like the jokes in this i laughed out loud at this movie but like that's yeah. in particular um there's a very funny cocaine joke that apparently was cut from tv viewings anyway <laughs> everyone is like everyone is likable you want everyone to do well right and it's also just it's not about daryl hannah's characters aren't just about like her being beautiful and what she looks like and they're both going after this like beautiful it was like the opposite of Splash where like she never says a word yes. and everyone's just in love with her from what she looks like. Like this one, like Steve Martin, she's she's Daryl Hannah. She's gorgeous. But Steve Martin is in love with her because they're intellectual equals and they let her be smart and they let her have this like scientist woman thing. And she's falling in love with Steve Martin through these letters because she loves literature and the way he writes. They just like let her be a whole character. Yeah, she also gets and have to have like feelings and anger and joy. <laughs> she also gets to like have an edge and like be outspoken and and be, be funny. Like she's funny, funny with and them. interesting. Yes, this was such a kind of like refreshing way to see her after seeing Splash. And I think we both there were things we liked about Splash, but overall we were like really kind of disappointed in the Daryl Hannah character. And I think this movie shows that she is a good actress and she's really fun to watch and she's really quite funny. Um, but you have to like let her be all these things, not like just write a part for her that right, isn't just stand there and be pretty. Stand there and be hot. Right. I mean, she can do that too, but she's far more fun to watch when we let her be all the things she is. Yeah. Um, I will. I did notice that both this movie and Splash introduces her fully naked. <laughs> the yes. way they're like meet cute of this movie, which is actually like a good meet cute for a fire department chief and the new woman in town, is she locks herself out of her apartment, looking or her house, looking for her cat, and her robe gets caught in the door, so she's naked. So she has to. Um, she like walks through the bushes to the fire department and. Steve Martin's like I'll go help and they walk back through the bushes so they don't like see each other until they get to the house and then she sees his nose mm-hmm. uh, and but anyway like we just like Daryl Hannah cannot be introduced in a movie without being fully in the nude <laughs> also like he like basically like you know she's naked and vulnerable and asking for help and he like invites himself into her home and like starts making himself a snack and like asking for wine and I was like okay this is charming and adorable because it's Steve Martin and we know this we've already been like fully introduced to this character as this like nice non-threatening nice guy (laughs) yeah but like that's a little creepy in another context that's kind of creepy yeah there's oh yeah yeah 
that's Steve Martin. He's never going to do anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that that scene that you were talking about where he rattles off like 20 insults. <laughs> Kathy feeds the squirrels and I forgot to put out their nuts. And this guy just up on the hind legs looking at me like, bitch, where are my nuts? <laughs> I'll get them for you later. Go get, go hunt a nut like a normal squirrel. I'll, I'll put them out later. Go. Sorry. That scene where he like rattles off like 20 insults. It's, it's a classic Steve Martin. Like it is just like all of the things that we love about Steve Martin. I also like, there's an element to that scene where I, um, I feel like we're, what I like there, there are things I like about what I'm about to say and things I don't like, because this movie we it takes a while to get to like the Cyrano of it all we get an hour in before we have the first situation where Steve Martin is talking for Chris um or writing a letter for Chris but because of that we get this like slow burn of Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah's relationship and we really see their relationship become like grow from a friendship and that scene where she watches him be really funny with his 20 insults and the whole bar is cheering for him it's like in any other rom-com I feel like it's the scene where she is falling in love with him like there's an Mm -hmm. element to which like we're watching her fall in love with him and I and I think that that's true and maybe she can't see past you know his physical appearance is sort of like what we're getting at in that scene um and so that's really it's it's nice that we get to see that kind of grow and we get to see her fall in love with him separate from like just what he's saying through Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like it took an hour to get yeah. to the meat of this movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, rom-coms in the eighties could really show you the whole relationship. Like I yeah. feel like in the nineties and early two thousands, we were like, we just get right to the love. And I do like, there's something you're right. Like it took us a while to get to the story, but there is something I about it. I like liked and miss in other rom-coms where people like meet once and then fall in love. Like last week we watched serendipity and we're meant to believe that these two people had one night together and now we're derailing their lives. Like this movie is not by the end of the movie when spoiler alert, Daryl Anna and Steve Martin get together. <laughs> You're like, yes, this makes sense. These people know each other well. Their their characters match each other, and and they've laid the groundwork for a great relationship. <laughs> like, right. Which again takes time, but I also like. I think it's missing from some of the later rom coms. You know yeah. what it had. You know what it had shades of. I guess that movie had shades of this in that way. Definitely, maybe. <laughs> Good lord. In the end of Definitely Maybe, you're like, I've seen Isla Fisher and Ryan Reynolds build a whole relationship. I believe in this. Yeah. Anyway, just any excuse to point out why Definitely Maybe is great for me. Sure, sure. Um, but yes, it did take a, a long time to get to the like fun and games of, of. And I mean, I was there's there's truly a scene where he has like a microphone in his hat, and then like the dispatcher, the like police dispatcher feed is getting crossed with it so chris is like saying these romantic things steve martin's telling him to say and then he'll be like there's a traffic jam on the whatever and he'll say that which is like 
a scene we've seen a kabillion times by this point. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh, we've seen that scene a kabillion times because this movie did it so right. well. Yeah. And it's just fun to watch like a lot of these older movies were that have been ripped off. And again, like this is, a, you know, this is adapted from like an 11th century play. So then that way it's a ripoff, but like just sort of, the original sort of comedy scene that then we did over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that in this movie. Like Steve Martin is very, a very good writer and a very good actor, particularly in comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think that, you know, like Steve Martin is obviously like the comedian of this movie and he gets lots of opportunities to be funny, but so do other people. I mean, Chris, the the hot guy, he is very funny and sort of his like bumblingness. Daryl Hannah is funny. Shelly Duvall is very funny. I love Shelly Duvall in this, particularly because I think the only other thing I've really, I mean, I know who she is and I know she popped up and stuff in the 80s and 90s, but like her other major role was... Jack Nicholson's wife in The Shining, in which is humorless. Um, and or at least like for her, it's hu- humorless. So it was fun to see her in this be fun and funny and light and and you know, the best friend to both of them, really. Yeah. I mean, she's like Steve Martin's longtime best friend, but then she also gets close to Daryl Hannah, which was a fun dynamic um also i love that the best friend of the lead man is a lady mm-hmm. i love a platonic male heter- i mean i guess her sexuality is never really stated so i shouldn't assume she's straight but like you a lovely like just a man and a woman being best friends no sexual tension i love it right well and she's the one who like reveals to daryl hannah what's been going on and I mean, it gets resolved pretty quickly, but like, he's not angry with her. There's not, you know, there, there's like a, there's still a loving scene between them. I don't know that that relationship was nice. Yeah. So he and Daryl, Daryl Hannah is understandably upset. And then he slut shames her. And then he slut shames her. She has a right to be upset. She has been lied to. And she did sleep with a man based on these lies. But then he, Steve Martin's like, well, you didn't sleep with him on the first date. And I was like, Steve Martin, she's allowed to do that. And also you tricked her into that. Sir. Right. You seduced her into sleeping with that man on the first date. So that's on you, buddy. And even if it weren't, it's totally fine. Let Daryl Hannah fuck. <laughs> and then he like gets mad at her because he's like, you wanted, you wanted to have your cake in it too. You wanted like the hot guy who talked really well. And it was like, yeah yeah that's what we all want sir and also like you didn't give her a chance to be attracted to you like she was physically attracted to chris and then you gave him the brain gave him the brain that she wanted and she thought she'd found the whole like the whole package and then when presented with the truth she was like okay i'll take the brain but you gave you she she did nothing wrong i mean there's like there's the alternate version of the story where like he doesn't become Chris's mouth you know he doesn't speak for Chris she realizes Chris is not that bright maybe has some like good sex with a hot guy and then moves on and does end up with CD without all the confusion it's not as hijinksy of a movie though Carrie I think what you've done is make the movie not interesting (laughs) sure 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 the premise is the Cyrano of it all yeah 
I also, you know, I, Cyrano is like a classic story and we've made it a million and a half different ways and we're still making it, you know, like there, there's that like fairly recent Netflix version and there's a new musical version coming out. Um, the fairly recent Netflix version, the half of it, the one that's about the teenagers in like Alaska, South Dakota, something like that. Oh yeah. I watched it. I liked it. It was cute. Anyway, you thought it was boring. I thought it was cute. Great. Fine. Um, yes. But I also like every teen, um, like movie or every teen, like TV show when we were growing up had some version of this. Like it wasn't there like in family matters, like Urkel, like didn't, didn't we Cyrano Urkel at some point? <laughs> if we didn't, yeah. it was a I missed mean, opportunity. We, we've done it. We did in Will and Grace. We've done it a million and a half times, but I also feel like at some point, hopefully we get past the point where we have to convince the hot girl or the hot guy to fall in love with the not as hot girl or not as hot guy through some kind of like trickery because to the i mean steve martin is not an unattractive person and yes we put like a prosthetic on him no i'm attracted to steve martin that's important for me to get out there but it's always in all of these like cyrano versions it's always like somebody who's like just a little less hot than just like it's just like hot person just like steve martin with a nose right which like aren't all heterosexual relationships the man's a little bit less hot than the woman like women are just hotter you know what i mean like she's even hotter than chris it's just like okay they i see like how they're both like traditionally beautiful right they're they fit the like conventionally like what we think of as attractive but i hope that we're in some ways like moving past or trying our damnedest to like move past some of these like conventional anglo ideals of what hot is and i think that's like in a 1980s version what this movie is doing like this movie is saying like it it yes you have to be attracted to a person but like what's attractive to you is not what's attractive to each individual person is not necessarily conventional attractiveness but also like what also matters is like a deeper connection and yes in this movie we're taking just like a steve martin who is in many ways conventionally attractive i guess he's had gray hair since he was i don't know 14 or something like seriously um but you know he's got a strong jaw and a good face and he's you know like fit and like he is he fits a lot of the conventional boxes and then like adding a nose onto him whereas like i would hope that if we were doing versions of this story today we're maybe going to talk about like the roots of why that why what we decided is conventionally attractive is and the like roots in racism and and uh ableism ableism and uh like body image and that shit like and that what we decided it was like an act like it was a choice what we decided was hot it's not like we all are actually attracted to that there was a a version that was staged that i believe is going to be released as a movie um with peter dinklage in the cyrano part so i'll be interested to see sort of how that is done and how that story is told um 
but I think that then we're, we're getting into some of the, cause I think kind of like what's underlying Cyrano is some conversations around ableism mm-hmm. and I would be, I'm interested to see how that version, cause it's an updated version that Dinklage's wife wrote for the stage and then adapted for film. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that version approaches some of those issues. Yeah. Side note, I bet Peter Dinklage and his wife throw like a good dinner party. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I bet they throw an interesting dinner party with like a good mix of people. Like New- a New that. York elite dinner party. Yeah, because I was going to say, I think they're New Yorkers. I feel like they've got like a... A beautiful know. like Upper West Side apartment. Yes. And they're like throwing a dinner party and it's like an interesting mix of people who all are talking about like politics and, and yes. art. And they serve like after dinner drinks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And everything in, is like a dark, it's like a dark wood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've established how the Dinklages throw a dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't believe, I don't believe her last name is Dinklage. Um but yeah, look it up because she's more than just his wife. I mean, she's evidently like a pretty prolific playwright and actor herself. So she's written a play that's now getting adapted into a film. Erica Schmidt. Her name is yeah. Erica Schmidt. Are you now thinking about that scene in Game of Thrones when he's telling Sansa about, oh, she's cute, when he's telling Sansa uh, about how sorry he is for all the terrible marriages she has? And she looked at him and said, you were the best of them. Yeah, but, like, to be the best of Sansa's husbands is, I mean, the bar's, like, below the ground. On the floor, but I, he he really jumped over it, and then he never yeah. raped her. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, he didn't rape her, and so in that way, he was or the best of her Or sleep with her at all, which I think Correct. would have been rape because of their ages. He was Correct. just nice to her. They took care of her, and they fought the living dead together. <sighs> you good? Good job. Yeah, I just their relationship is one of my favorites of the Game of Thrones. That's true. Um, and I'm glad they got to have a little moment before the end of it. Uh, right. I, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast. This is not a Game of um, Thrones podcast. There are plenty of those. Um, oh, a young Kevin Nealon, who again I owe an apology to because I think I on this podcast wrongfully accused him of something because I was getting him confused with someone else. Yes. I mean, I think we corrected that at the time. Um, but yes, Kevin Nealon shows up for like two minutes in the beginning so that this movie, this rom-com begins with like an absurd fight scene with like hilarious 1980s sound effects, which is the first sign that this is a rom-com written by a man because we're starting it with like a fight scene. Also a rom-com based on an 11th century story where, where there are fight man. scenes. Yes. Right. Correct. I think yes. there's a lot of little nods to actual Cyrano yes and um yes I think that's very true and that's much of what was going on in that first scene um but he makes he and his buddy make fun of his nose and Steve Martin kicks their asses it was a weird it was a little bit for me like a weird way to set the tone for this movie because I don't feel like the rest of this movie really follows in that tone because it's real kind of like campy and over the top um and it makes Steve Martin seem like overly sensitive about his nose, which he is like, we keep seeing, we keep having people say like, he's overly sensitive about his nose and he hates people pointing out his nose. But then like, we have that scene where he has, you know, makes 
is self-deprecating and comes up with better insults. And so there's a little bit of like a disconnect there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the thing of like, I think you're right, but I also think it's the thing of um, people make fun of themselves to not be made fun of by other people. So this guy and the guy's joke is very stupid. It's like, it's like a very bad joke. It's like, uh, Hey buddy with the big nose. Like it's not even a joke. He's just right. Like pointing it out. And Steve Martin's being like, if you're going to fucking insult me, do it. Do it well, well craft a good goddamn joke. And then he right. proceeds to craft. I think it actually ended up being more than 20. It's also right. just Steve Martin being like, look at what a good joke writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, my point is just that that opening scene is a little bit of an odd tone for for the beginning but um but we do get a kevin nealon appearance probably before he was even famous or i looked at the imdb famous. i looked at the imdb trivia for this movie and i think it was his first role both and like another thing that's fun about older movies is like both him and damon wayans jr you really have to like like they were not not damon wayans jr <laughs> damon wayans senior like they were not famous people at this point so they have very right. small roles and it's fun to look and be like oh these two men go on to become like comedy pioneers <laughs> like, yeah yeah uh, for sure i just what, what was what were we watching that like maya rudolph was like a beat cop or something like i love like random people who will go on to be giant yes. celebrities yes yeah what was that movie it was, I think it was around- as good as it gets you're right it was yeah that's hilarious Oh, I had a thought at the beginning and I'm sure someone will do this because this is not, but like, actually like maybe it's shallow hell. I won't watch to find out, but like, could we do this movie? Could we reverse the gender roles of this movie? Like we allow men to have flaws that make them non-conventionally attractive. Like, like I said, women in heterosexual relationships, the woman is almost always hotter. So like, what's the sexism that what's the sexism in that like could we couldn't let a woman have not be uh the right size the right body shape the right face shape the right like everything I don't know that I don't know that we could do it and I don't know how it would be done well if that makes sense I don't know yeah I mean the Netflix the the half of it the teen rom-com on Netflix called the half of it does a little bit of a gender switch because the Cyrano role is a is a girl um I I feel like a cute girl yeah I mean they have her kind of like you know she's she's sort of like a nerdy girl but it's like they found a hot girl and put glasses on her basically um and there's a there's a non heteronormative you know there's a queer element to it because both she and the guy she's writing letters for are um in love with this popular girl in the school um so and that that was kind of interesting and it really that was also sort of interesting because it really had nothing to do with anybody's level of attractiveness it just was it was about first of all that he basically hired her to write these letters and she was hiding her own sexuality and attraction for this girl but also then we're playing with the queerness of this young woman in this small town. Um, and so that was kind of a, 
a new and interesting way to do it because it, re- it, it really had very little to do with what anyone looked like and more so to do with just like who was willing to voice their their desires hey i'll give this movie another gander that is interesting <laughs> yeah but you know what i mean like i don't know that like we put a nose on daryl hannah and anyone would be like now she looks crazy <laughs> like it's still there it's like i don't know i just think and maybe I haven't thought this thought through well enough to be talking about it on a uh, public podcast, but I just like, is there a There's- sensitive way we do this with a, with a fat woman? Is there a sensitive way we do this with a woman, like a, a woman who is not white, thin and blonde, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know the, cause in the shallow hell version, which is not the sensitive version. And I don't even know shallow hell well enough to know if it even is like really Cyrano. Um, but it's not, it's just like you put a fat suit on an, on a conventionally attractive, thin blonde woman. But I think that also, I mean, so I think you're speaking to two things is first of all, is sort of like this long time, like hiccup we have in comedy where like, we always pair like hot girl and like not conventionally hot dude. Right. Um, and you know, like, again, could that be flipped? Like, have we ever really flipped that? And there are examples, but it's not as prolific as like just, you know, every family sitcom, it seems like, is like hot girl with comedy guy, which there's a new there's a new TV show coming out about it. That sounds really interesting. Kevin can um, fuck himself. Yes. Um, but then I think the other thing that you're getting at, which I w- was sort of talking about earlier is like you know, this idea of like, you know, do you flip the gender and have like a not, you know, quote unquote hot woman as Cyrano and like, you know, do you play with like weight issues or body image and stuff? And it's, I think part of it is like, like, can we just like, can we not do that? Could we just like have a rom-com with like a not thin woman and like allow her to be a rom-com lead without like all the like, oh, you have to see past her weight or you have to fall in love with her brain before you can like realize that she's beautiful. And it's like, or you could just be attracted to her. We can just understand that like people are also attracted to fat women. Right. Like take away all the fluff of like, you know, you have to see past this person's flaws and instead just be like, Hey, attractive is subjective. And just because we don't have a lot of representation of like, you know, what, what is hot or we do have representation of like what is hot and what is whatever like could we just start to move past that and make our rom-com leads look lots of different ways without sort of like the Cyrano of it all right. I think could we just point. have a bigger woman be a rom-com lead which again right. like we or a person with a only do with a... Queen Latifah right like Queen Latifah I think is at least in uh, I guess there's no romantic story in Girl Strip with queen latifah because that's not a rom-com and we cheated but whatever we liked the movie <laughs> but like right. in uh the last holiday there's not like they dowdy her up at the beginning but then when she like gets hot it's not because she lost weight it's because she put on a banging dress right um and we haven't watched just right for this podcast yet but i would harbor a guess that there isn't a ton of mention of her body size um and right. i don't know why maybe there is and we should watch i think it's on the list i think it's coming up but like we this, why does this happen more often and with a lot of different types of women and not just like the one of the most famous women in the world? 
Yeah. I mean, there's examples of it with Rebel Wilson. Um, Is it? Because the rom-com about her was all about her. It was that like, isn't it romantic one is all about her body size. Oh, I haven't seen that one. But um, in, I mean, to be fair, she's not the lead, but in. um, and Bachelorette is all about how horrible her friends are to her because she's the first, she's the only happy one. And how can the only no, happy one be no, fat? I love no. that moment. What's the Dakota Johnson one? Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, how to be single. Yes. And that she just gets movie. to be like single and horny without there ever being, without it, like any mention of her weight. She's yes. just horny we should make sure that's on the list because i think it's delightful i really like that movie we'll come back to it i also love Um, bachelorette i didn't mean to shit on bachelorette like but the story of that movie is how these three conventionally attractive women have to wrestle with the fact that their friend they've deemed less attractive is getting married first right right and it's like a comment on that it's not like rooting for (laughs) for uh Kirsten Dunst, terrible character, but still, the po- the point of that movie is that Rebel Wilson is fat, right? Yeah, we'll get. So there. again, like we have, like we're beginning to have, not beginning, we have elements of it, but again, I think as our conversations on um, fat phobia and race and ableism all like evolve. I hope that our pop culture also evolves so that we're telling stories about people without like being like, oh, but if you didn't know it was them, then you'd, you'd fall in love with them. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Final thoughts. We liked it. Yeah. I actually, I, I liked it. I, I, I hadn't seen this movie in so long and I really didn't even know what to expect. I think I expected like some more cringy moments than we actually got. I feel like it held holds up pretty well for a nineteen eighty seven movie. The only like truly cringe moment was when he was like shaming her for sleeping with someone on the first date. Which like I think if Steve Martin made this movie now, that moment would be gone. I would hope. Like I I think that that is probably something that's like a marker to show that this movie was made in nineteen eighty seven. But I I don't I think that wouldn't appear in this version today. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to take that with this movie and be like, yeah, it was made in 1987, so we have a cringy moment. And it also didn't, I mean, it took me out of the movie a little bit, but I was able to move past it pretty quickly, whereas there are times where, like, we've watched older movies where I'm like, "Mm, now I'm done. And, like, this didn't, now I, you know, like, I wish this weren't in there. But um, I I also, I, I think what I liked most, I mean, there were lots of things I liked about this movie, but it was really fun to see Daryl Hannah sort of on the heels of having done splash not that long ago it was fun to see daryl hannah get to be like a fully formed human being particularly in this in this movie i think it would have been very easy for her to just to have written her as just a plot hot hot plot device and and she's very much not that um which i really liked no she's a whole character which you don't get in uh movies all the time particularly rom-coms written by men you don't get that today but let alone in 1987 right yeah um yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was sweet it's incredibly funny next week we are watching kissing jessica stein the second movie second of our jennifer watched yeah yes the first chronologically i believe and the second in our jessica Excuse me, Jennifer Westfeld series. Yes. Um, 
think there's gonna be a cameo by John Hamm. Great. I have no predictions. I've never seen this movie. I'm I, actually really excited to watch it. I think I watched it years ago when I was going through a Jennifer Westfeld phase because I had watched Friends with Kids and the other one. I run Abby. I run Abby. Thank you. Um, so yeah. But I don't really remember it because I think it was like six years ago at this point. Great. Well, we'll see. Join us in two weeks to watch Iron Abbey. Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. Um, you can rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast thing. Please do it. It's fun. We like it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.